take all these buttons and just make a giant screen. A giant screen. Now, how are we going to communicate this? We don't want to carry around a mouse, right? So what are we going to do? Oh, a stylus, right? We're going to use a stylus. No. Now, who wants a stylus? You have to get them and put them away and you lose them. Yuck. Nobody wants a stylus. So let's not use a stylus. We're going to use the best pointing device in the world. We're going to use a pointing device that we're all born with. We're born with 10 of them. We're going to use our fingers. We're going to touch us with our fingers. And we have invented a new technology called multi-touch, which is phenomenal. It works like magic. You don't need a stylus. It's far more accurate than any touch display that's ever been shipped. It ignores unintended touches. It's super smart. You can do multi-finger gestures on it. And boy, have we patented it. So, so we've been very lucky to have brought a few revolutionary user interfaces to the market in our time. First was the mouse. The second was the click wheel. And now we're going to bring multi-touch to the market. And each of these revolutionary user interfaces has made possible a revolutionary product. The Mac, the iPod, and now the iPhone. So, a revolutionary user interface. We're going to... Oh, well, that's the late Steve Jobs describing the iPhone 15 years ago. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am talking on an iPhone where I have an iOS microphone plugged in. I am using a MacBook. I've got the watch on. I mean, come on. As my cousin said, you're dripped in Apple. Yes. Yes. Or as Carrie Fisher would say, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, I've got the AirPods. I mean, I, I don't I don't have the Apple speaker. I have Bose because Bose is better. That's just my opinion. Um, technology, I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg was crying when these smartphones came out because he said that he didn't he didn't make films to be shown on small screens. Okay. Well now we stream everything. In fact a friend was asking me recently do you ever just want to turn off the TV after? And I said, no, because I don't watch a lot of television. I, I stream it very rarely. Uh, I will turn on, what, maybe watch Golden Girls, maybe maybe watch Frasier. I said that to my friend because my friend hates Frasier. And it's not lost on me that Kelsey Grammer is a Republican, but I don't care. I watched Frasier when I was a teenager. I thought it was funny. I'm, I'm weird. Um... Yeah, uh, but and then you know watch the news or whatever, and sometimes Turner Classic Movies. But a lot of this stuff you can stream. I mean, I don't have HBO, I don't have Showtime, but I have the apps. You have to pay for those apps, and you can watch things like I was able to watch the George Carlin documentary on HBO Max on my tablet, on my phone, on the Apple TV. I mean, yeah. Why am I talking about technology? Because, well, how are we able to record these podcasts? I know that Jason Almy and Christina Almy, they do Shit Happens When You Party Naked. They have a MacBook. They're able to record. 
In 2012, about 10 years ago, I remember a friend of mine, we were talking about Downtown Abbey, and there was a lot to talk about Downtown Abbey. It was like, oh, because I had just started watching it. And he said, you should do a podcast. And I said, what are those? But then I had heard, you know, Mark Marin had done a podcast. And I thought, okay, podcast. And I tried to do it, and the technology was, it, it wasn't where it is now where you just download the app and you start talking and you start recording. And so in 2018, that's when I really took it seriously. I was like, okay, I want to I do a podcast. I want something. I want to release from the 9 to 5 because the 9 to 5 was shit. It was shit. And this was almost like sitting on a shrink's couch. And that's really, I've talked about this endlessly. That's why I do the podcast daily because it's like going to the shrink. It's like, oh, okay, great. You get to release, release. I mean, I used to write and do that. You know, you, or as Elvis Costello so brilliantly said about songwriting, he says, it, it beats kicking the television. It's true. <laughs> it beats it. Um, but yeah, uh, the other night I was watching The Northman. And then I was watching something else. And what's cool is, is that when one thing doesn't work, you can move it to the other. So if the phone, if you're getting tired of watching it on the phone, you can move it to the tablet. You can move it. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the world we live in. This is a digital book. The 21st century, to the chagrin of some of my friends, is a, is a, dig, is, is a digital book. Basically, that's what it is. The 21st century was, oh, well. 21st century, I mean 20th century was, um, well I was only born at the, the half end of it, so come on there was a lot going on before I came along <sighs> film, music I've, I've opened the show up because I do want to have guests before I did not want, I don't I don't like having guests, and here's why I like to control the show, because I created it I am the sole creator. I am. Sometimes I do put my money up front to um, advertise the show because I don't trust advertisers, and I and I rely on word of mouth. But I thought, you know, and I've had a couple of guests on the show, and I've had my friend uh, Jason Almi of Creatures of the Night. Shit happens when you party naked, and then I've had George Strombolopoulos, who really has taught me about how to talk to my audience um and i've been on his show i've been on his apple show so that that's a that's a cool experience even my niece was stunned by that she was like how are you on the radio and you're sitting here it's because i recorded that and sent that to him so let me read for you what i wrote because there are some rules i know i don't like rules but when it comes to broadcasting you have to impose them so it says, I've decided to open my podcast up to guests. To be a guest on the podcast, please send a direct message. You will be contacted and a date will be made. If you cannot make that date, I can be flexible with your schedule. The podcast will be recorded here on Instagram and converted to audio. Yes, I know how to do that. What we record on the gram will be your opportunity to say if you want the finished product on the podcast. So what that means is... If you like what we were talking about, you tell me. If you don't, then it doesn't go on the finished product. Subjects for discussion, film, and music. I Yeah, we will not talk about politics. Maybe mix it in a little bit. Or religion. 
Here are some rules. If you are if you were to be a guest, please be respectful. No homophobic or racist dialogue. Yeah, and that's what it is, and that's what it's about. Um, because we do live in crazy times. <sighs> so yeah, um, it's almost like take a number, get in line. But uh, I mean, some of the, some of the guests that I've had on have been pretty respectful, and then others I've had to mute them and say, okay, you talk about that again. I'm I'm hanging up. Very very rarely. I think one time I had a, a guest on and he wanted to talk about shadow people. And I said to him, Look, I know about that. I know about the paranormal, but not on this podcast. There are other podcasts for that. It's it's also when I introduce this show to people and I tell them about it and they say, Oh, do you talk about true crime? No. Everyone talks about true crime. I don't. It doesn't interest me. Um, I do a film podcast and a music podcast. So if I go to a concert, I'm going to talk about it. The visual... Uh, going to a concert really is is like a film. It's very epic. There's a lot of hangers on. There are moshers. I don't do the mosh pit. I don't do stage diving. I go and I watch the show. I watch the show and try to make sure that I don't get beat up by the moshers usually that means you have to move a little further back because they're right there at the front of the stage but also I try not to look at my screen screen if I'm going to film the show because I don't want people to be annoyed oh my god he's pulling the phone out because some bands do have rules now Tool in particular who I've seen many many times since 2020 they've had this no camera rule and, but they, they will, they will. So I saw them in Fresno in 2020. I remember we got there and there came over the loudspeaker. You cannot film. I was like, oh shit. I said to my friend, we drove all this way, all this way. And, and driving through Fresno, we have to take another freeway. And, and my friend is like, it's like a trail of breadcrumbs. I was like, yeah, how am I going to find my way back? But I found my way back. But um, the last the last song they let you film, and so me being tech savvy, I knew that people were gonna film the show, even though the band told them not to. So I get home, I go on Instagram, boom, YouTube videos galore, and I have a video where uh, my friend was even kind of she wasn't sure at first because I said she's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "He said we can film now." He told security to stand down. <laughs> and then the second time I saw them this year, I fi- I filmed. I just didn't give a shit. I'm like, they're not going to eject me. And I was wearing, I should have wore, I had this Doors jacket. If you've ever seen me at a concert, I wear a Doors jacket. And there's a reason why. There's a pocket. So I could just put the phone there. Boom, no problems. But with Tool, I didn't wear that jacket. So luckily my friend is a little taller than me. So I just held the camera or I'd put it and put it in my pocket because this one guy kept walking around. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to bust me. He was really busting people because they were smoking pot. But there were other people smoking pot who obviously didn't get caught at the show. So, yeah, yeah. And that's technology. I mean, even my watch, I can hook up a camera to the watch. And I tried to do that at a concert. Then I'm realizing, oh, shit, a light comes on. So yeah, it's 
there's all kinds of things. I, I almost thought about wearing a camera in my, in my hair, but who's counting? And, and it's that experience. I mean, I won't do that at a, at a movie theater. I won't ever pirate a movie like that because I know people who work in the industry. And then I know people who were, will remain nameless who like to watch pirated films. And I don't like doing that because I know people in the industry so they're losing out money because you've decided, oh, I don't want to go to the theater. Okay. Well, you still have to pay for it, you know. So it's like the Avengers. When the Avengers came out, I went to the theater. That theater experience, especially with the Avengers Endgame, people are just screaming. People are crying. Um, people are like, that's what I'm talking about. And it's like, shit, shit. Yeah. And that's what I try to bring to the podcast. And so that's why I wanted to have guests on the show, you know, just to talk about um, different things. I'm hoping to have my friend on because we've both seen The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers, which is about Vikings. And Robert Eggers recently came out saying that he was disappointed because The Northman was not a box office. I mean, it would cost a lot of money to make. And I just thought, but it's not about the box office because it was a beautiful film. It was a very violent, visceral. I mean, in terms of Viking mythology, they got it right. They really got it right. And it, and it reminded me of the seventh seal by Igmar Bergman because it's a, the look and feel of a film. It's almost like a painting. Those are the kind of films I want to watch. Nothing against Top Gun. I don't want to see it. I saw the first one. I don't care for Tom Cruise. Whatever. The, uh, and I told someone that once and they were stunned. And they said, don't you like anything that Tom ever did? The one film of Tom Cruise's that I, I watched accidentally was Born on the Fourth of July. Because I knew that was based on a true story by Ron Kovic, who was still alive. Um, and, it was, and it was startling. It was a startling film to watch. I've seen bits and pieces of Jerry Maguire who hasn't shown me the money. I'm, I'm weird when it comes to films. I mean, some, some of my siblings have called me a, a film snob. And that's only because we went and saw There Will Be Blood. And they didn't like it and fell asleep. And I'm sitting there like, yes. Oh, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm hoping to have, I mean, I'm with guests. I just let them talk. It's like when I call people up and they, they're like, oh, I need some advice. I just let them talk. And then, and then I start to talk. I shut up and let them start to talk. I'm not trying to be those interviewers who just keep interrupting. That is so disrespectful. You just don't do that. I've had to learn to let go of that because I hate being interrupted. It, when I get interrupted, it's like a bomb is going to explode. I get really pissed. Because one time one of my friends said uh, he could see it in my eyes that when I get interrupted, I get ticked off. And I'm like, yeah. It's like when I get bumped into at the store concert. It's like, oh, you motherfucker. But I, I've had to let go of that. Just like the road rage. Just like the road rage. You, you have to let go of it or you won't make it off the freeway. <laughs> so why technology? Here's the thing with technology. My brother and I saw all of this coming. We were growing up in the 90s. I remember, you know, he was more internet savvy than I was. 
And I've talked about this, I think, before, how George Burns had died. And my brother read it on the internet before the news media even got a hold of it. And I remember my brother saying, that's the future. And he was right. And then I remember when Amy Winehouse died. Before the news media even caught a hold of it, it was on Twitter. And how social media and then death hoaxes. You know, I mean, it really changed the way we look at media and changed the way we consume our news. Now you don't even really have to be in front of the television. You can watch it on your phone. Here's here's my perception of television and a computer. Those are the motherships, okay? We have these devices and the computer and the television are the mothership because they're so heavy. Although my Mac isn't really ha- heavy. But technology-wise, it's all they're all tethered together. And I remember growing up in the 90s, you know, you go on vacation, you probably take one book, you take a whole bunch of CDs, you can't really take any movies unless the place you're staying at has a VHS. If you don't remember VHSs, I mean, I I have a funny story about that. I worked briefly for uh, school with school age kids. And at lunchtime, we would go into the cafeteria and they would sometimes have books that you could take. One time they had all these VHSs and these kids start taking them. I'm like, what do you do with that? Well, it's a movie. It's not a DVD. What is it? It's a VHS. Do you have a VCR? No. And so this next generation, they don't know what a VCR is. I know what a VCR is. I know my babysitter taught me how to fast forward and rewind because, you know, if you wanted to watch that lady in the tramp scene again you rewind it my grandmother taught me how to record tv shows because you know you can't play hooky all the time to watch a tv show i think i maybe did that twice where i i'm sick because i really wanted to stay and watch cartoons but then she taught me how to like tape it and um and then pocket tvs remember pocket tvs pocket tvs are no longer in existence i think but I remember, I remember being in high school and I was a senior. Now, when you're a senior, certain things are a little more laxed. I remember we were in art class and I said to the, I was doing my color wheel and I brought a pocket TV to class and I said to my friends at the table, I said, okay, we're going to watch, we're going to watch daytime TV. Are you sure? Okay, let me ask the teacher. Because I was a little scared. I thought, I don't want to get this pocket TV. Pocket TVs were expensive back then. So I said to him, okay, look, I got to be truthful with you. And he's like, yes. I have a pocket TV. Can I watch it? Yes. Just do your color wheel. That's all I care about. All he cared about was that I do the art. So here we are, my friends and I, sitting at the table doing our art, watching daytime TV. It was fabulous. And that's, and that's where when you become a senior, things are a little more laxed like that. Um, I don't know about now. This was the 90s. The 90s was a different beast. Or as my friend said, they were the gay 90s. Kind of like the 1890s. And then with the 1890s, boom, 20th century happens. 
with the 1990s, 21st century happens. And people were just going ape shit about the 21st century. There was Y2K. There was a- anything can happen. And anything did happen. We had a presidential election. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into politics. We had a presidential election for a couple of, maybe about a month. We didn't know who the president was. And that was the beginning of this technological where any anything could happen. Anything could happen. And music, too. I mean, I think we've talked about that, where music... The MP3 and CD sales. I still buy CDs, but I'm very kind of picky now. It's like, okay, this is for the car because I don't always want to have to hook up the phone. You know, um, that that's the other that's the other funny thing about this digital book age that we live in. When you go to like see an artist and you want them to sign their work, they can't sign an MP3. So you have to have a physical copy. And I found that out the hard way when I went to go see David Sedaris. And I have most of his books on my phone. They're audiobooks. So I had to buy a physical book there for him to sign. I thought that was kind of funny. You know, we haven't entered that yet where, I mean, now everyone takes selfies. But he was not allowing selfies. And I wasn't going to ask him. I just had a chat with him and... Uh, we talked about California and uh, his humor. And um, he has a new book out right now. It's called Happy Go Lucky. That's the thing with David Sedaris. Here's why I like the audiobooks. is because you can hear his voice. You can listen to them. They are hilarious. And I've gone. I, I mean, I used to do my commute and listen to an audiobook. I've finished so many audiobooks. It's not even funny. Right now I'm finishing one on Neil Young. The only issue with the Neil Young one is he doesn't read it. Keith Carradine reads it. I would prefer to... I I like Neil Young's voice, not just his singing voice. But hearing him in interviews, he's very fascinating. And he has another book about cars that he actually reads. And I bought that one and listened to it. Where he talked about um, cleaning our air... And uh, making all of his vehicles electric because he has the money. He's he's Neil Young. Come on, he you know he can do what he wants. Yeah, and that's where technology brings us. And that's why I thought I would talk about that. Is you know that's why I have this little portable microphone. For years, I tried doing the podcast on the computer. The technology is not the same because with the computer. When you record it, then you have to upload it, and it takes a while to upload. When you do it on the phone, the only issue is I don't have headphones on. So I'm basically flying blind. So if I were to connect to a speaker, then you hear the delay, the wonderful delay. And so I just, you know, know how to speak in a certain tone to record. And that's the other thing about these apps, which is great, is you don't even really need a microphone. You just use your phone microphone. And that's what I learned early on through Anchor. Anchor is the platform that I use. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts, and um, I forget what else. And, And I'm still on Spotify. 
I will not take it down off Spotify. I know that Neil Young left Spotify. Joni Mitchell left Spotify. Uh, I do it because I have to. So, you know, and, and I don't talk about the elephant in the room of why they left Spotify. We all know why they left Spotify. And I respect that. I respect that because they are artists of a different age who came up at a time when authenticity and when you did something, you did something. So if you were, if you were protesting something, you you literally you protested it. You didn't say one thing and then do another. Okay, you you really did. You talk the talk and you walk the walk. But now what I notice with people is is that it's business as usual. It's like what happened in the in the news currently, and people are returning to business as usual. And I refuse to do that because I think we need to stay angry. Because if you return to business as usual, then shit doesn't get done. It just doesn't get done. And that's why we, you know, we live in this technological world. How far is it going to go? I don't think it's going to go as far as Westworld. Westworld is a show on HBO where AI and all this other stuff. I don't, I don't, in my lifetime, probably by the time I'm 95. Well, we'll see. You know, I've always told people I know who are pharmacists, please discover something. So that when I'm in my 90s, it's not going to be so hard. It'll be like, oh, you know, we, we have a little bit of a loophole right there. So as, as we record this and uh, talk about film and talk about music, cinematic aspects of music. I mean, if you want cinematic, there are a couple of bands who really they are just cinematic by the way they play the spatial we're going to talk about the spatial audio in a bit and that's Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin that's spatially right there and if you of course it was later hijacked by commercials and and for a time I wouldn't listen to Led Zeppelin because all I could think was oh god they put that in a car commercial but you know people have to eat corporations have to eat and the art suffers and um, you know and I've talked about this before that's why all the really great artists had to leave the Bay Area is because it got pushed out by technology same with New York you used to be able to live in those cities and say that an artist and resident lives here and you would get a form of affordable housing that doesn't happen anymore even the artists in Oakland and Berkeley are getting pushed out by the technology technology company so there there is a uh, there's a hit and a miss to that and even um the great Lawrence Ferlinghetti he talked about that he talked about how people were getting pushed out rent was going up and um the artists could no longer thrive as they used to so yeah I, I briefly wanted to talk about though in technology the wonderful spatial sound. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. With this podcast, I don't turn on my spatial sound. With certain music artists, I will turn on the spatial sound. It's a hit and a miss. In the car, it's a little weird. If you are... um, 
on anything, particular gun, uh, edibles, let's just say the spatial sound is very scary. Because then it's like, uh-oh, I didn't want that. But then anytime that, that's occurring, you really don't want it. Um, so yeah, technology, I mean, we can save our passwords. I remember when we had to write the passwords down. Now it's like, it just wants your fingerprint. It just wants your fate, your facial recognition. And I know that goes all the way back to demolition, man. I think what we've been dealing with the last couple of years is really right out of demolition, man. The three seashells. Remember, everyone wanted toilet paper. What was the other thing? Touching. You couldn't touch because of the virus. And if you remember Demolition Man, they don't touch. They 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 greet each other. If you touch, it's like a big faux pas. They don't even have sex. So let's hope we don't get to that point in this later part of the 21st and 22nd century. Um, but in, in Demolition Man, there's a moment where everything... It's not facial recognition like it is now, but it's iris recognition. And so there's a moment, there's this prison, and it's all controlled by iris recognition. And if you've seen Demolition Man, Wesley Snipes plays, what's his name? Um, Simon Phoenix, notorious killer. And uh, Sylvester Stallone is the guy who was after him. And they both get put on ice. What happens is Simon Phoenix gets frozen or thawed out. You know, they put him in the microwave. And he somehow is each inmate under the ice is, is given a form of rehab. And Simon Phoenix is given tactical information. And um, Sylvester Stallone's character, when he's under ice... His form of rehab is learning to knit, which is strange. So what happens is when he gets to his court date at the, at the prison, Simon Phoenix says this magic password and it unlocks his, his chains and he's able to kill, or as they call it in the movie, murder, death, kill. He's able to kill all of these people that are running the prison and he gets a hold of the the warden's eye he takes his eye out and sticks it on something so that's how he's able to get out is through the iris recognition we haven't reached that yet thankfully i don't think we will right now it's about the your facial recognition so unless someone can make a uh you know a mold of your face and then i guess use that as your facial recognition huh but yeah and, and that's where technology is. And even filmmaking. Filmmaking. You can... Who would have thought now that you can make films on these phones? You can. Because you can take really great photographs on these phones. And as a filmmaker, I mean, come on. And we have all these apps where you can make 15-second clips. <laughs> or as my friend said, hot 15s. My friend used to work in television. And he would tell me about the ads. You know, we all watch those advertisements. And he says some of them are called Hot 15s. And some of them are called Hot 25s. And you put them in the reel in between each show. And he worked for MTV. So that's what he would do. He would explain it to me. And I'm like, whoa. Okay. A 
hot 15, huh? He's like, yeah, yeah. He was also the one who told me that television would cease to exist, that we would all be streaming it, that it would all be online. And he was right. Even the networks, even the network shows, you don't want to miss your favorite episode on ABC. It's on the app. You don't want to miss your favorite show on CBS. It's on the app. The Peacock app, Disney, Netflix, need I say more? Even BritBox. Even BritBox. I love BritBox because I love a lot of British television. A lot of the mysteries. Masterpiece Theater. <sighs> so yeah, that's where technology really has gotten us. There's, there's the good points and there's the bad points. You know, but it's all it's all there. I mean, and that and then there are those of us who record our podcasts. Sometimes I can record this in sitting in the car because I have the microphone. I have the peace and quiet rather than all of the excess noise. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, just think of it. Just think of the early, the late 90s. You think of films, you think of Terminator 2 and how Jim Cameron was able to do that. Also, the fact that Adam Jones of Tool was working on Predator, Jurassic Park, and Terminator 2 in the special effects department. And how that has all changed. You think of a movie like the Titanic and how they're all out there in the middle of the pretend Atlantic. They're really in Baja, California. Hate to spoil it for you. And how they had to digitally draw in the breath. And then you think back to The Exorcist, made by William Friedkin, where they, they couldn't do that. It was 1972, 73. So they had to do it on a soundstage that was a refrigerator. So they had to make it really, really cold for the demon. I know some of you were like, well, I thought demons like hot stuff. Well, it's The Exorcist. Read the book. You will see why. And that's what I talk about. I talk about those films. I talk about music. Even the film, the music in the films. I mean, that exorcist theme is disturbing. And then the art, the art connected. Um, uh, the poster of The Exorcist really was inspired by an artist named McGreed, a French artist. And a lot of people don't know that. And it wasn't until I think I watched The Making of the Exorcist and they were talking about René Negrit, who was a French artist from 1898 to 1967. And a lot of his art influenced films. There's The Empire of Light, made from 1950 and that's what I was talking about with the Northman. When I look at the Northman, it, it's like a piece of art. And that's what I was talking to my friend about. Because she saw it too. And I said, didn't you just think that's like a, a moment? It almost looked like a painting. The way the film was photographed. And I've said that about the, the Seventh Seal. The same thing with what Igmar Bergman was able to do. The look and the feel of a film. And you can do that on these devices. I mean, it, it's painstaking 
because you have to go in you have to set your settings and then black and white you know black and white a lot of people especially the, the next generation kind of roll their eyes at black and white like oh my god it's in black and white well back then that's how a story was highlighted because you had the shadows and you had the light and you had the hues especially in a film noir situation now if you were doing something like Gone with the Wind or Robin Hood or The Wizard of Oz it had to be in color and I wanted to take the time and mention that the month of June is going to on Turner Classic Movies is going to be devoted to Judy Garland Judy Garland would have been 100 years old and Whenever we think of her, we think of that Technicolor moment in The Wizard of Oz, where it's all in black and white, and then she opens the door to Oz. The music starts, and it's all in color. And then she did she did other Technicolor films, though. She did, um, what was it? It was a film she did with um, Gene Kelly. If I, I think I could look for it. If she did, she also did uh, A Star is Born, which was also in color. And so, you know, with Judy Garland, she is synonymous with the films in color. But The Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Oz really is her, her moment. Because adults and kids alike can watch it. And then... Um, Another thing is Judgment at Nuremberg. She was in Judgment at Nuremberg. A lot of people don't remember that. And it's in black and white. So really the look and the feel of the film tells a story. That's why in the 70s when um, Mel Brooks wanted to do Young Frankenstein, he wanted to do it in black and white. And at that point, the studios weren't doing films in black and white anymore. So it was an expensive effort. But Mel Brooks stuck to his guns and said, oh, no, we're not going to do Young Frankenstein in color. We're going to do it in black and white. And that's where sometimes a film where the age can permit the color, but the filmmaker want, the filmmaker has the, the first and last say in terms of the final cut. And it makes me think of also of Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder famously did Some Like It Hot. Originally, Some Like It Hot was going to be filmed in color. But because of Jack Lemmon and uh, Tony Curtis's makeup, that couldn't happen. And so they had to film it in black and white. Where another film, you know, this, the, that was the thing also, was television had taken over the landscape. So people weren't really going to the movies. And what really brought them to the movies was the cinemascope. That's where they changed everything. It's like, oh, let's, let's entice our audience. And I say that because originally, Rebel Without a Cause, was. I think some of it was filmed in black and white. And then they had to go back and reshoot it all in color. So at that point, color had become the dominant form of making films. And here we live in, you know, 21st century. And people are still making black and white films. Because the story, the narrative... That's why. And um, I'm looking for, because I want to get it right, 
the Judy Garland. Okay, because she did a she did a film with she did I think two films with Gene Kelly. And I mean, you want to talk about Technicolor? You can talk about Singing in the Rain, which is um, Gene Kelly's masterpiece, basically, and An American in Paris. And and you really have to you have to be open to it. This is the first time I. I was told to watch an American in Paris. I thought, but it's all singing. It's all dance. But then I watched it and I understood. Oh, okay. The look and the feel of the film. Okay. Here's the film. Summer Stock. This was, I think this was the last film she did with Gene Kelly. In 1950. So. And so that's the technological world we live in for the 21st century. <laughs> And thankfully, by the power invested in music, I can cover up the excess noises that are going on right now. So that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And um, I always encourage my audience to just watch films that you wouldn't necessarily watch. Like the silent films. Listen to music that you wouldn't necessarily listen to. I have a few friends who are younger than me and they're like, Oh my God, I don't listen to anything when I was born. And I said, go and listen to it. I have a friend who lives in Texas and I was trying to get him into Depeche Mode. And he says, oh God, no. And then one day he actually listened to Depeche Mode, especially Personal Jesus and Enjoy the Silence. And he said, it's so good. And I said, see, music that was made when you were born is not beneath you. And if you go further back to the 60s, and he's like, no, no, no. So you could listen to Pink Floyd. You could listen to the Rolling Stones. Bob Dylan. That's when that's when they really have a shit fit right there. You want us to listen to Bob Dylan? Well, of course. And I'll end tonight by talking about this because this is funny. Um, I was sitting with a friend one time. And we were talking about country music. And they were talking about Garth Brooks. I said, oh, that song that he does to bring you my love or to make you feel my love. And I said, oh, that's a good song. He didn't write that. And they got pissed at me. He wrote it. No, he didn't. And I said, do you have the CD? And they were like, yeah. And we opened up the CD and I said, see right there? What does that say? Who wrote it? They hated that I was right and I didn't I wasn't trying to be right. I was just trying to state a fact and say, see, it says Bob Dylan wrote it. And then my friend said, has Bob Dylan wrote like everything? And I said, yeah, I mean, you think of all the songs that Bob Dylan has done. Everyone has covered them from Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. Yes, Bob Dylan wrote that to Hey, Mr. Tambourine man play a song for me remember the birds bob dylan wrote that um that's another one oh forever young i remember i had a friend we were talking about rod stewart's forever young and i said you know bob dylan wrote that really yeah bob dylan wrote it like a rolling stone of course bob dylan wrote it um not knocking on heaven's door. Everyone knows the cover. Bob Dylan wrote it. 
I say that because I'm going to be seeing Bob Dylan in a week. I am nervous because at the same time, I'm like, okay, no expectations. This is a legendary performer. Go into the show with an open mind. Whatever Bob decides to play, be thankful for it. Because, you know, some people go to an artist and they have those expectations. I hope they do this song. I hope they do that song. I know. One of my friends said, oh, my God, you better hope that he plays like a Rolling Stone. And it's like, he may not. What am I going to do? Boo him? No. He's Bob Dylan. He'll cut me. He's Judas. No, I'm just kidding. In the 60s, they called him that. You know, in the 60s, here we are talking about technology. Bob Dylan was known as this prophet of folk music. And then what happened? He used a form of technology, electric instruments, and went electric. And people lost their fucking minds. So much so that Pete Seeger, very peaceful Pete Seeger, tried to cut the cord when Bob Dylan was performing. Because he was, it, they weren't ready for that change. So as we, as we drive into this 21st century and we go backwards and think, think of that moment. Think how controversial that was for that time that he decided to go electric and it terrified his core audience. And that's when people started calling him Judas. And then he would shout back, I don't believe you, <laughs> you're a liar. And he was probably the first artist who basically said to his fans who disapproved of his new sound, screw you. And he continued and he carried on. And so here we are, 60-something years later. Bob Dylan has the last word, basically. He went electric. It divided his fans. But he's still here. He's still performing. He's still putting out relevant music. He is still being taught in schools. And so, yeah, that's where, in the end, technology wins right there. So forget the AI and forget the robots. And yes, Dyson Dyson has decided not to make vacuums anymore. They're making robots. Yes, I know. I know. But that's, that's the 21st century. It is a digital book. And so here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast... Enjoy that digital book for the art that you're able to view. Not so much the NFTs. And then also, if you like something, try to physically obtain it. Because I, I talk about film and I talk about music. And a lot of that I learned through liner notes. You know, when you when you buy an album, that's the thing that the digital world doesn't have. You actually have to download those booklets is the liner notes you can't on a real cd or a record you can read the liner notes what musicians are playing who wrote it who produced it who engineered it the same with the film with the film you can learn so many different things who made the film who did the cinematography who did the editing in james cameron's case he did the he did the editing I think the cinematography and the film so yeah that's um, that's technology right there and we can apply it to the motion picture arts and sciences there's a reason why it's called motion picture arts 
and sciences because it is a science and it is an art form and the same could be said about music and so yeah it's we're all technically plugged in as you are plugged into the dr zeus film podcast so unpleasant dreams <laughs>